Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your co-host, Angie Rogers Howell. Now, what is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast where we feature awesome women in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. This week, we're brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Rabbit Tattoos. Check them out at LuckyTats.com. Now, who do we have on the show today? Today, we have Jema Kehoe Bigger of Midwest Writers Workshop. So the other week, a package comes in the mail, and now I have to call Angie, Minister Angie. Or Reverend Angie. Or Officiant Angie. Whatever you feel like. That's probably what I'm going to call you, because you <laughs> became ordained. I did, yes. How did you do this? I went online. You can do it. Um, you really just have to like give your name and maybe address. I don't know. There wasn't like a whole big long process to it. And... You can be ordained through the Online Church of Ordained People, which I can't remember what it's called right now, but you can do it online. <laughs> it's actually free. Um, and then they charge you if you want to get like your actual credentials in the mail. You have to pay a little extra for that. That's where they get you. Um, but yeah, so now I am ordained. I've always thought it would be cool um, because one, I used to be a pastor's wife. So if anybody should get ordained and like marry people off or whatever, I think it would be fun for me to be able to do that. Um, and two, you DJ weddings all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of thought it'd be cool if we could be like a one-stop shop. Like Matt will DJ the wedding and I can make sure you get hitched. So well, hopefully your part will come first. Well, yes, more right. my part would come first. <laughs> um, but I thought it'd be really cool. And I wanted, I, I thought it would be neat to be able to do this for um, non-traditional weddings and things like that. So say you don't want to get married in a church, great. Do you want to get married, maybe not in a pasture because there's too many, we've done too many weddings out there and somebody always steps in like cow poop or something and that's gross. But if you want like a Star Wars wedding, cool. I'm down with that. I'm not dressing up like Princess Leia. I saw it in your eyeballs. No, not doing that. Um, also, <laughs> So, you know, people who might not fit in a necessarily a church, same-sex marriages and things like that, or just people who don't necessarily fit in with the churchy vibes and stuff like that. So what did you get in the packet? The packet came with, like, my letter of good standing. So I am an officially an, in good standing with the church of whoever. But it's, like, legit and everything. So I have that. I have, like, marriage licenses that I can fill out for people. I've got a little certificate that I can put on my wall. Um, I think it also came with, like, I have, like, a clergy, like, ID tag for, like, for a lanyard and, and like a parking pass thingamajiggy. Plus, didn't I have some uh, information, the stuff that you read? Oh, yeah, like a book of like, you know, what, how weddings go, the words you have to read and have to say in order to make it legal. There's really only two things you have to do to make it legal. It's like the, do you take this person? I do. And then now I pronounce you blah, blah, blah. That those are the only two things you have to do to get married and fill out your license and all that good stuff. Which you can do now because Which you're, I can do now. You're ordained. I'm ordained. I'm I'm Reverend Angie. So I want somebody out there who is going to be married in the next year or so to uh get with Angie. Absolutely. We want to get her a job doing the ordained uh minister thing. I think it'd okay? be so fun. I want to be part of people's happy days and make things special and wonderful and do some kind of like weirdo somebody wants to get married on halloween and dress up like vampires or something like i want to do that but not star wars right you won't do it i will do star wars but i'm not dressing up as princess leia
Our premier sponsor today is Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Well, you might be surprised to know that with all the programs and classes and all the stuff that Schaefer Leadership does, their coffee talks and lunch and learns and everything, they're really put together by only two staff members of the organization. Mitch and Tisha. Yeah. Um, Tisha has been on the podcast uh, Gone Boss before. She's an awesome boss lady. Um, And Mitch is a cool all-around guy with his comic books and everything else, too. They do a lot of work for just having two people over there. You can find out more about Schaefer Leadership Academy at SchaeferLeadership.com. In the studio with us, we have Jayma Bigger, Executive Director of the Midwest Writers Workshop. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Very good. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I've been the Executive Director of Midwest Writers Workshop for probably close to 20 years, um, but we just became a nonprofit last year. Oh, okay. So now my, I'm full-time. Before, I'd been part-time and uh, had worked there uh, on the planning committee since I was in my late 20s, mm-hmm. I guess, for a long, long time. We first connected probably in the early teens, I guess, maybe 2011, 12, 13, somewhere along in there. Ron Groves was uh, on your board. I was in the Junto Club with him. He mentioned to me that uh, he, he was trying to step away and they needed some help and different things like that. And then you and I start working together. The workshop has uh, just just grown by leaps and bounds. Over oh, the it past has. Few it years. has. It's, it exploded a couple years ago when we had the three-day conference mm-hmm. um, at Ball State. We brought in 250 people. And now we've um, with we've got a new board and now that we're nonprofit and mm-hmm. we're we're trying to expand what we're offering mm-hmm. so instead of one large conference in July we now have in the spring an agent fest where we bring in seven or eight literary agents from most of them are from New York okay. and uh, it's a day and a half and they get to pitch their book ideas. So it's more for the advanced writer. And then the summer conference will be um, two and a half days focused more on craft plus community, Mm -hmm. um, where they can work on their manuscripts with an author. Um, They get a chance for manuscript evaluation. There's there's networking. Um, And so it's smaller. And then we'll have another one-day event in the fall. Okay. So we want to offer these these on-site events for writers of all levels. Right. Now, the uh, conference that's coming up still has an opportunity for the advanced writer. On Saturday, there's a one-day Jane Friedman, um, who's an expert in publishing and, and digital media. Mm-hmm. Um, she's so well-known. She's been at our conference probably for the last 15 years. And she's doing um, an author platform boot camp for published authors or soon to be published authors. So we still have something for for every writer. So tell me about yourself. Like are you are you a native Muncie person or are you a transplant here? I came to Muncie um, uh, when I was two years old. Okay. My dad became uh, an assistant football coach at Ball State. Oh. I was born, my family's from Plymouth, Indiana, up north by, okay. by South Bend. He was a star athlete at Ball State. Um, in fact, he's a charter member of the uh, um, Athletic Hall of Fame in oh. football. He had, had football records that lasted 
close to 50 years oh, wow. with, with cool. rushing. So so he came back to his alma mater and, and um, my my brother was three and I was two and my other brother was one. So okay. I've been here ever since. And so Ball State's very close to uh, to my heart. All, all four of us kids went to Ball State. I have a, a bachelor's in English and a master's in English from Ball State. Now, I know you've written at least one book, but have you had multiple ones? No, just one. Just the and one. then okay. um, a lot of other additional writing. Um, I did a lot of freelance writing. I had my own business. I started bigger writing and computer services mm-hmm. when my children were small. I wanted to be at home with them. I have two boys who are 14 months apart, and I wanted to be there. So I left teach. I was teaching English at Ball State, and I left that and started my own business. Oh, okay. And I wrote probably 10,000 resumes. I edited manuscripts, uh, anything that anybody needed. Um, I wrote business brochures and um, anything that that someone needed help with writing. So I still have my toe in that business. Mm -hmm. It's um, I started in 1986, so a long time ago. I really enjoyed helping, um, especially students, write their resumes mm-hmm. and get their get the jobs that they wanted. And during that time, I still was involved with Midwest Writers Workshop too. Gradually, as I became more involved in the, on the committee, and I was I had this business at home with my computer, I took over the registration. I could oh, okay. uh, put it all on the computer, and then I started doing their newsletter. My mentor was Dr. Earl Kahn. So he he and Dorothy Hamilton, a children's writer, started Midwest Writers okay. Workshop. She wrote a lot of children's books. It's kind of an amazing story. She didn't start writing children's books till she was like 66 years old. Really? Oh, wow. And so she wanted to do something to give back to the community. So that's when she approached Earl about starting Midwest Writers Workshop. So they started it in 1973. I went as a student... My first workshop was in 1976, so I went as you a participant. You were purchase. right there at the beginning. I know, I was, I was. I was 20 years old, and, and uh, they all kind of took me into their wing, and I found another mentor, Tom Mullen, who helped me shape my book. My book was was my creative writing project for my, my master's, so it was kind of, I killed two birds with one stone. I wrote the book and then I also used it to get my degree. My book would not have been published had I not met those people at Midwest Writers Workshop. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a unique story, my path to publication. I met Tom Mullen and he encouraged me. I sent him a few chapters. When I finished the book, I sent it to an editor that I had met at Midwest Writers Workshop. Mm And he was in Texas a couple of weeks before I got married. I got a phone call from him and he said, I hope you don't mind, but the book, we really loved it, but it's not quite what we published. But I sent it to a friend of mine at Fleming H. Ravel. I said, that's terrific. A day or two later, I got a call from Victor Oliver, an editor at Ravel. And he said, we really love your book. We want to publish it. I had never even sent it to him. Mm-hmm. So that was a really terrific wedding present um, to receive a couple weeks before I got married. Absolutely. So what's the title of your book? Then Came a Miracle. Okay. So it's a story of my accident. I dove into a swimming pool when I was 13 and broke my neck and um, became a quadriplegic. Mm -hmm. So it's the story uh, starts with my accident and kind of the 
um, going through high school, going through college, the adjustments that I made, kind of my walk of faith, Mm -hmm. believing that God was going to be with me through my whole experience. So yeah, it's, uh, you can still get it on Amazon, Mm -hmm. um, get it for your Kindle. There's some hard copies out there that are still circulating. Right, exactly. Back to the Midwest Writers Workshop. I've known a a few people to uh, have some really big books come out of, uh, that are connected to the workshop. One recently that comes to mind is The Hate You Give. Exactly. She, uh, um, Angie Thomas was one of our faculty members uh, two years ago when, just when her book came out and it was amazing. So this will be the 46th workshop that Midwest Writers has put on, which is actually amazing, the longevity. We've seen so many faculty members come through and teach uh, our participants. We've had uh, Joyce Carol Oates. We've had William Zinzer, Angie Thomas, just a tremendous number of professionals who shared their wisdom, what they had learned. We also have had participants who have gone on to publish books and and be very successful mm-hmm. through what they've they've learned and we're very proud of um, for example Kelsey Timmerman mm-hmm. um, he met his agent at Midwest Writers Workshop in in addition to say my story I don't know if I would have been published had I not made the connections mm-hmm. that I did with Midwest Writers and Kelsey is such a talented writer that I'm sure he would have found a way. We love it that he met his agent through Midwest Writers. Another example is uh, Veronica Roth. She met her agent at Midwest Writers Workshop. Veronica is known for the Divergent series oh, okay. that yeah. she wrote, uh, a young adult mm-hmm. series that were made into movies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that's pretty cool, too, that we've had so many participants that have taken what they've learned and been able to have publishing success. I mean, that's our mission, is to help writers achieve their their dreams, their, their dreams for publication, seeing their words in print. That's why we love what we do. I love to encourage others to be a good literary citizen, um, to buy books, to tweet what authors are, mm-hmm. are doing, to, to just build up the literary community. The first time I ever heard that uh, that saying was uh, from Kathy Day, I believe. Exactly. Um, Kathy was a committee member for a number of years, and Midwest Writers was connected through the English department for a number of years. Now we are sponsored by the Office of Community Engagement, and so we're, we're really thrilled that they're supporting. We still have that link, even though we're a nonprofit, we've got that link with Ball State. We want to develop that partnership. We, we think that's so important. We've had students who've been assistants to the literary agents that come in, and having that opportunity for young people um, has just been amazing. We love it that we're connected with, with Ball State, that we're kind of our home base is the Alumni Center. Mm-hmm. In fact, this conference we're also on on the friday night having a community event it's open to the community we'll meet and greet with author john gilstrap who writes this tremendous thriller series um, his protagonist is jonathan grave 
I love his books. I've read every single one of them, but we love it that he's on a book tour. He has been one of our favorite faculty members. He's probably been here maybe five times. Mm -hmm. So we're really thrilled that it's open to the community. Cool. Come in. He's going to give a presentation. We'll have books, um, cash bar, give you some pretzels, and and it should be a lot of fun. So events like that where it's open to the community, we love to get the word out that uh, not just writers, but readers as well. Mm -hmm. And that's at the Alumni Center? It is. The Alumni Center, Friday night from 7 to 9. Do you have the happy day or... Do you do, do. that? <laughs> I, Tell me more about okay. that. Okay, on on a, on a personal side, um, I I have a I do have a website, jamakehobigger dot com. I started April first, two thousand ten. Okay, was the first time I wrote a happy day moment. Happy day moment number one. And the reason that that started um, earlier in the year, my son had asked me to write just a little something for um, a magazine that he was working on. So I got to thinking about what I wanted to write. And uh, at the time, I was just getting involved in in social media. And there was so much negativity. Mm -hmm. It seemed like everybody was just whining and complaining. And so I wrote this little section, uh, a little essay about uh, my son. Probably he was three years old. And he came in one morning so early in the morning. And I knew he was standing beside the bed Hmm. and I wanted to ignore him hoping that he would go back to sleep (laughs) but he didn't he pulled my eyelid open and he said it's a happy day I said okay it's a happy day (laughs) and so it became sort of a pass uh, just something that we would say when the kids were grumpy remember it's a happy day and so that's why I called uh, it a happy day moment. And the whole purpose of it was to be grateful for something, some moment in the day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You could have the worst day ever. And there's always the fact that you opened your eyes, that could be a happy day moment. So I have written a happy day moment consecutively since 2010. Wow. I'm now up to like, I think yesterday was 3,330. Wow. And it can be anything. It mm-hmm. could be um, something in nature that I see. It could be something with my children or my grandchildren or memory or friends. Um, but there, there's got to be something that that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for living in the moment. You can. I have a, a happy day moment Facebook page. Uh, you're welcome to come and like it. I post something on there every day. But on Facebook, I try to put something out there that's a little positive mm-hmm. rather than all the yeah. negative. Well, social media, even yeah. right now. Yes. Yeah, we, we everybody needs we need something a little like a joke, whatever it is. Um, uh, yeah, that's my sort of a personal quest of mine on social media is to get people to appreciate their life. And if I can do it as someone who's limited physically because of the the accident that I had, um, then, you know, anybody can be thankful. What would you tell a young person starting out now or a young author starting out now that uh, you didn't know then, but you know now? Well, I think if someone wants to be a writer, I think they need to be a reader as well. Reading uh, as much as you can and and then writing uh, doesn't have to be perfect the first time. In fact, whatever you write initially, you're probably going to think, oh, that's just really lousy. I shouldn't be a writer. But so much of writing is rewriting mm-hmm. and editing, improving, um, tightening the language. Um, that comes through 
I think, through exposure to, to reading other good good authors. Do you have a favorite book? Or is that like asking you to pick a favorite oh, kid? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> you uh, get asked that a lot. I, I do. I yes. I, <laughs> um, I don't know. I suppose my favorite book, of course, is the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I really love To Kill a Mockingbird. Having two degrees in English, I read so much that was just so powerful that it's hard to, I mean, I'm a real Shakespeare fan. I went through a John Steinbeck phase. Um, I went through a Dostoevsky phase. <laughs> so it's hard to, hard to, hard to pick. Just hard to pick. No, exactly. That's, that's okay. What do you think of the current state of book writing and, and the industry itself? Well, I think that people still want books. I think that the people still want bookstores. They want to hold a book in their hands. I, I know there's a lot of people who think that publishing is on a downtrend. I don't. I think there's plenty of opportunities for people to be published. And even more so now because, for example, you write poetry. There's so many online places that accept poetry. Mm-hmm. The first writing that I ever got paid for was a poem that I got $6 for that. And my dad said, you know, that doesn't buy a lot of groceries. (laughs) (laughs) And he encouraged me to perhaps think about teaching as a a path instead of of being a full-time writer. So I I did that. I, I taught for quite a while, but my dad was very proud. And he said he couldn't understand my poetry, but he was proud of me anyway. Now, I've been to your office before. What's the deal with all the Lego people? Legos are like the best things ever. Okay. And so I either have Legos on my shelf, little Lego minifigs, or I have all my signed baseballs and my Cubs memorabilia, because you know I am a tremendous Cubs fan. Um, But Legos uh, are a very important part of our whole family, the bigger household. They were my son's favorite toys. At one point, my youngest wanted to be a Lego engineer when he grew up. So now Legos are just part of our the fabric of our family. My husband still builds Legos. One came in the in the mail. It was delivered today. <laughs> awesome. Now you made a whole I, I believe it was a Christmas scene, wasn't it? On a, oh, exactly. With Legos? We have. Yes. Like you you buy those figurines and you set them around the house yeah. and you have the little lights on them. They did it with Legos. Oh, exactly. We have the Lego village that's wow. Probably the best thing that you've ever seen. I bet so. <laughs> it was it was impressive. That's pretty it was. amazing. That's pretty cool. See, that's a hidden talent right there. How do you maintain a positive attitude? Probably through my faith. Everybody has to deal with lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whether my stuff happened to be physical limitations, um, but other people's stuff that they have to face, the hard things are are just as difficult. So I think that the the faith that I carry pulls me through no matter what difficulty that I have. And so that kind of my mission too, that I encourage others to um, grab hold of, of faith when they're facing something difficult. God is faithful and uh, God is good and God will get you through just about anything. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks for the happy day moment. <laughs> You're welcome. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thanks for stopping by the farmhouse. Hey, this was great. New to the podcast is another sponsor. 
Lucky Rabbit Tattoo. Lucky Rabbit Tattoo. They are awesome. And you might think of them Lucky Rabbit Tattoo. They do tattoos. Well, duh. That's in the name. But they also do piercings. Um, and they offer high-quality, handmade gold titanium jewelry made with real gemstones and they're guaranteed for life that's pretty cool their piercers are certified with the association of professional piercers they focus on safety and sterility of their instruments and all that so you're not going into some back alley like place and having somebody stick a needle through your nose like it's clean they're legit and awesome and great and they do great work and they have some high-end jewelry there right they do they feature jewelry from body vision los angeles and a ton of metal yeah and maya which I think if you're into the piercing community, you probably know what those mean. But we're not. <laughs> I'm thinking that sounds like a rock band's name. A ton of metal. I know. <laughs> anyway, check out more at LuckyTats.com. Angie and I were on a recent trip. We, uh, we we had a little mini vacation. We took our little mini vacation down south to Holiday World. Yep, it was where fun. they have free drinks, free sunscreen, and free parking. Free parking. Don't forget that it was great. Like we yes. had a fun time. Uh, me and Holdy, we snuck away and rode the roller coasters and the big kid rides while you and Zeus went on like the teacups and little baby rides and stuff like that. It was fun. Now Angie listens to all podcasts, but when she's not listening to podcasts in the car, we listen to local radio. True. And I tuned into a station out of Jasper, Indiana, and so on the way back, we caught the noon report. Yeah, it was a report. <laughs> it was like taking the newspaper and reading all the headlines and all the local stories and the entire sports section. And, and the obituaries. And almost the classifieds, because, yeah. but they were really commercials in between. This lasted for over 40 minutes. It probably lasted for an hour, but our children staged a mutiny and we had to turn it off because even Zuzu was like, oh, this is terrible. Can we listen to something else? So the news portion, it, it told about the, uh, the guy who shoplifted at oh, Walmart yeah. oh, and... Yeah. They took him in. I mean, every small town Little thing you could think of. minute details that no one cares about unless you are actively, like, affected by it. So the best part was we got to the sports report. Oh, yeah. And this guy did a play-by-play for, like, I believe it was travel ball plus high school. Yeah. And they kept saying Du Bois County. Yeah, Du Bois Not, County. I would say Du Bois, but no. they said Du Bois, like Illinois. I think it was Du Bois. I think anyway. I say Illinois. Back when I was young, but yeah. now I say Illinois. Right, because that's how it is. But. Exactly. But they... <laughs> Do boys. That's different. And they double down every time. Absolutely. So. so this guy, like, it was at least 15 minutes. Yes. Probably longer than that. Like, play by play, so-and-so did this, and this guy scored this many points, and then this happened, and it was, like, crazy. It was like a recap of a ball game that I don't know anything about, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure I cared anything about, but it was interesting. And then he got to the... Major League scores. Yeah. And he glossed right over. It was like a minute. Oh, yeah. By the way, the Reds beat so-and-so or what? I don't even know. But it was like like teeny tiny in comparison to the big long report that he just did on the high school travel ball games or whatever. And then he did an interview with, with the coach, one of the coaches. With one of the coaches. And then they were going to like, no, the the double A league or whatever. Yes, they were going down south to play in a um, a place where they play every year. Double league or double A league tournament or something. But then he had a 10-minute interview about that with this dude. Dude, it was like 
25 minutes of like sports <laughs> and I'm not a sportsy person and that was a lot and Holden was like are we gonna turn this we're like no no we're, we, we're in it we're, we're going till this we're going till one report <laughs> we need to find out how long this lasts but it kept going and I think we ended up losing the station eventually so we couldn't see how long it actually went so anyway I really enjoyed it because I came from local radio when I started my career back in 1991 I as know. a high school student at WZZY uh, where we did a lot of that, meaning I went to Parker City, I remember this, in high school, and I interviewed the main police officer, the town marshal. That's why I You did. interviewed I, the I town marshal? I interviewed marshal the town marshal about gangs of Parker City, and I brought that back to the radio station. Some hard-hitting news about, or are there gangs in Parker City? At the time. In 1991? <laughs> there were enough kids, I guess, that were hanging out in a group. And they were the gangs of Parker City. Or were they the blood? Were there two? Were they warring? Was it like the Jets and the whoever? No, nobody could walk to farmland. So. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. Anyway. I, mean, I support local radio, too. I used to work in California, and I worked for a local radio station. I don't think we ever interviewed, like, the town marshal, but... We had the, you know, we had the local stuff and everything. Well, then I've got you beat because uh, my, my, my first boss, he mm-hmm. would, in a, he had uh, Coach's Corner and they would talk either basketball or football, okay. Winchester basketball or football. High for, school? High school for over an hour on the radio. Uh, so like an I AM believe, station? No, this was on FM every Saturday morning at like nine o'clock. No, thank you. I ran the board for that. Talk no. about tuning th- something out. Like, that, yeah. Wow. I couldn't do that. Now, on a radio station I worked for, we ran the Mormon Tabernacle Choir uh, broadcast on uh, my country station for whatever reason. I don't yeah. know why. And then on accident, I accidentally programmed, I meant to program a commercial on my rock and roll station. Uh, but I, the cart number was very similar to the old cart number for Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Uh, so on my radio station at like 830 in the morning on my rock and roll station, all of a sudden you hear... <laughs> Everybody was thinking it was like Dio or Ozzy Osbourne. Well, and it sounded like hell's, like it had one of the oh, chimes, the so bubbles. it sounded like Hell's Bells. And so the program director is like, I don't remember programming that for this hour, but then the Mormon Tabernacle Choir came on. So when I was big in radio, and I was the overnight and weekend guy, you that's were, as big as I got. You got so. big. You're huge. <laughs> but anyway, on, on I would come in Saturday nights from midnight until 6 a.m., and Sunday morning... Andrew Phipps and his wife would come in. The Phipps gospel scene? The Fisp, yes. Oh, so, I know who that is. <laughs> so they came in, kicked me out of the studio, and they would do their show they right re- after me. They recorded right there in your studio? Yes. Wow, that's pretty cool. They recorded. It was live. That's crazy. So these gospel uh, gospel groups, and, and oh, it was... I had to get out of there as quick as possible. I love to see your sinner soul is going to explode. (laughs) (laughs) Your little sinner soul is going to like burn and burst into flames. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag Gone Boss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or you can find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you like what you hear today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Find out more at schaeferleadership.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Rabbit Tattoos. Find out more at luckytats.com. Have a great rest of your day and don't forget to tune in next week to find out who has gone gone boss. boss.